Today's scripture comes from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and I'll be reading today from the message. Six days before Passover, Jesus entered Bethany where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those sitting at the table with them. Mary came in with a jar of very expensive aromatic oils, anointed and massaged Jesus' feet, then wiped them with her hair. The fragrance of the oils filled the house. Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, even then getting ready to betray him, said, Why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It would have easily brought 300 silver pieces. He said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of their common funds, but also embezzled them. Jesus said, let her alone. She's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you. You don't always have me. Word got out among the Jews that he was back in town. The people came to take a look, not only at Jesus, but also at Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. So the high priests plotted to kill Lazarus because, of, because so many of the Jews were going over and believing in Jesus on account of him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Has anyone told you today that you're the beloved of God? I see some of you laughing already. And how many of you, raise your hands if you've been told... Okay, we're getting there. We have two. <laughs> I dream of the day that when people walk into this building, somebody, not me, somebody will remind them, hey, has anybody told you that you're the beloved of God? Maybe, maybe we start this before we even get to church. Maybe if you're at home with the person with whom you're worshiping right now on Sunday morning, or even better, every morning, say, hey, anybody remind you of who you really are? That may be the most important thing I have to say today, but I'm still going to preach a little longer. You'll notice this, um, this cross. You, you can't miss this cross. It is so large. It is, for the praise band, so in the way. And isn't that a good metaphor? The cross sometimes just gets in our way. And we can't get around it. The cross is looming today. Next week is Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday. And part of our ritual in this church is that we will pass this cross around the outside of our sanctuary where we'll be gathered in a large circle and we will have the opportunity to touch the cross and let something go. An old regret, an old embarrassment, an old sense of being offended by someone or something, an old wound, an old hurt, and we need to let that stuff go. All good religion helps us to let go of things that we don't need to carry anymore. The passage that Katie read to us today has this foreboding 
of the cross awaiting Jesus. He's at Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house. Lazarus, just by being there, reminds us of this is the one who died and was raised from the dead by Jesus, the Christ. And if that metaphor and foreboding was not enough, Mary anoints him with oil. Throughout the Hebrew scriptures, oil was used for at least one of two things. It was used to anoint a king, and it was used to anoint the dead. Jesus is about to be named King of the Jews on the cross, and he is about to die and be raised again. But then there's this line that Jesus says that has perplexed me for most of my adult life. Because being raised as a United Methodist and being someone who has been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus for the last 30 years, this passage has never made sense to me until this week. When Mary anoints Jesus, Judah says, hey, that's expensive oil. We could have used that for the poor. And Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you. You will not always have me. Now, that strikes me as odd as a United Methodist because we Christians in the Wesleyan tradition believe in this balance of personal piety and social holiness, a personal relationship with God and a care for neighbor, especially a care for the poor. John Wesley and the early Methodists from them on to us, we have constantly been expressing our Christian faith, not only through devotion, through worship, through prayer, but through practical, tangible action. The poor you will always have with you. So I did some research and read a commentary on the Greek word for have. The Greek word is eshete, and it not only means, well, for those of you who are grammarians, that same word can be used in the present indicative sense, and it can also be used in the present imperative sense. It can indicate a state. It can also indicate a command. So we don't know if Jesus was saying, well, you know you'll always have the poor with you. 
which some Christians over the last 2,000 years have used to justify not caring for the poor. The Greek might also indicate a command from Jesus that says, you're always going to have the poor with you, right? You're always going to be caring for the poor, right? You're always going to be advocating for those who are downtrodden, right? Same word in Greek. We don't know which one Jesus was using, but let's entertain the idea that it may be God in Christ saying, you followers of Jesus, you will have the poor with you because that's who you are as followers of Jesus. You are always going to be advocating for the downtrodden and the poor. The early church and the present church would have read this passage and their first clue as to some deeper meanings was this whole conversation is taking place at Mary and Martha's house. Do you remember that conversation that Jesus had earlier with Mary and Martha? It has been forever depicted in this stained glass and in art throughout the world. This is one of these stained glass windows are so beautiful in this church. This is one of my favorites. You can see Martha washing a dish with some kitchen elements and utensils behind her. She's got keys. Maybe she's the first one to open up and the last one to leave. And Mary is sitting, kneeling with a book in her lap. You remember the story. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's biblical code. Only students of a great teacher sat at their feet. Do you know what that means? That means Jesus was a feminist because he allowed her to sit at his feet and learn because those students would one day be teachers. Those students would one day be instructors and Jesus was empowering the next generation of women to be teachers of the gospel. And Mary was at his feet learning from him. Meanwhile, Martha's in the kitchen doing a slow burn. She's getting angrier and angrier because she thinks her sister should be in there helping her prepare the meal. And she even calls Jesus out as if to say, would you stop this nonsense? Would you tell her to get into the kitchen with me? We've got work to do. And Jesus says, no, Mary has chosen the better part. To be present to Jesus, to study his wisdom, Notice that Jesus did not say, Mary has chosen the best part. He said, between the two of you, she's chosen the better part. Now for the, the church throughout the years, we have realized that Mary represents action. She wants action. 
I mean, Martha represents action. Mary represents prayer, contemplation, meditation, being present to God. Jesus is not saying the best thing to do is to pray. The best thing to do is to pray and then join Martha in the kitchen. To pray and then go into action. Do you see the balance that Jesus is pointing towards? It's not just praying. It's not just meditation. It's meditating and then from there, that centered place going out into the world to be in action. So with this story in mind, listen to what this conversation is between Judas and Jesus after Mary anoints his feet with very expensive oil as an act of devotion. Do you see Mary is consistent? She prays. She blesses. And this time it's Judas who's saying, what about the action? We could have used that oil and sold it and helped the poor. And Jesus says, you, you will have poor with you because that's who you are. That's what your heart leads you to. You will not always have me, so pray with me now and then go serve the poor. Do you see the you see the balance? Do you see the flow? Devotion to Jesus, which may open our heart to the plight of those who are on the margins, may open our sense of compassion for those who are poor, whoever they are. very grateful that Dan is here today. Dan is Tessa's dad. Tessa, who died when she was nine years old, her 10th birthday would have been tomorrow, on the 8th of April. Out of Tessa's death, Dan has, and, and friends and family have sensed a calling, a vision, to bring something good out of Tessa's death, to bring something healing, to pass on her compassion, her vision, her humanity. And I am convinced that Tessa's life and wisdom is just beginning. And it's through Dan's efforts and friends of Dan that They've been passing out cards. We have some of them there for those who wish to take them on the way out. Tomorrow, on April 8th, this whole Chatham community is being encouraged to do eight random acts of kindness. To live out of our heart space and to look for opportunities to, to be kind to someone. Mother Teresa used to say, simply smiling at someone proclaims the good news of God. 
There will be people throughout the Chatham community wearing these t-shirts, Lama Tessa t-shirts, with the values of empathy and inclusion. And this is a quote from Tessa on the front of the shirt that says, I am who I am who I am, proclaiming her truth, her wisdom, her true self. I must tell you, I wonder, when she was here at Vacation Bible Camp, and she sat, I think in the pew right behind where you're sitting, I think one of the Bible stories, one of the past few summers, was Moses standing in front of the burning bush, asking God, who shall I say sent me? And the voice of God from the bush said, I am who I am. Didn't say it three times. I think this is Tessa's original quote, but I wonder if she heard that wisdom at Vacation Bible Camp. However she heard it, she knew who she was. And this is an opportunity for the whole Chatham community to remember Tessa and to live in the flow of love and to be kind to people and to allow those seeds of kindness to be planted and to grow the poor we will have with us at our left and our right. Thank God. And they have something to teach us and something to receive from us and something to give to us. May God bless us, each of us, as we are the hands of compassion the hands of Christ to a hurting world. Amen.